So let me have the privilege today as we stand to welcome Pastor Steve Fleming, the founder of Cononier Church. Welcome, man of God. Well, thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here. You know, when we uh, first met, and I do remember meeting you in the foyer, I had a good, good memory for faces and, and names, but then when you don't see people as often, you start to lose some of your names a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing about Kazumba I've come to appreciate and see firsthand is just his willingness to give. Um, it's infectious. Uh, it's genuine, and it's constant. And so uh, it's a great delight for me to be here today. And just an instance, it's very easy to give by e-transfer. When I got home last night, um, I was able to do that, and that ministry goes to is, uh, is really supporting and backing up to allow Kazumba and Gloria and the team to be able to do what God's called them to do. So great opportunity. Pastor David and Shannon have, uh, have set that up, and that's, that's awesome. When Kazuma talked about the theme of um, our time together, he talked about faith. And for quite some time, uh, Brother Paul actually wrote a book on, on the rest of God. But you know, biblically, the only way to enter into rest is by believing. So that's the work. So there is work to enter into rest. And it's just simply, you have to believe. Um, but that's putting it simply. And uh, to persevere is to go on for periods of time. Um, I'm very fortunate. You know, there are more first-generation Christians than any other type in the whole world. So if you're a first-generation Christian, um, you are a part of the majority and will always be. Uh, I am blessed that I have a legacy of faith, and I'm grateful for that. Um, this, this Bible belonged to my paternal grandfather, this, this little book here, and it was uh, Sunday School Lessons. I have two of these. I could preach from these. That's how good these things are. Um, this one is, belonged to my father, and he was a soloist. He had a great voice. Uh, and uh, we went, as a child, we went to many different churches, and, and he would sing. He was a soloist. And so our whole family sings, and that became uh, part of our legacy. And when I was first asked if I would... Um, be a part of the worship team at church. Uh, one of the elders' wives came down after you ever thought about singing for the Lord, and I honestly said, no, not really. Uh, it was just kind of like who we were and what we did. We didn't think about that. Um, but when you hear someone sing, there's something about the music of heaven that touches you. And our sister was singing that a cappella, which is another thing that's amazing. But the line that it doesn't matter the scars that we gather in our life, uh, that is true. Um, but it's only true when we have a revelation of what God is doing in us and through us because of those scars. So I, I don't want to preach to you today as much as um, we pastored our, our church corner for 35 years. We planted it and pastored for 35 years. For the last almost three years now, Beth and I, have trans, uh, transitioned to working with churches and pastors and just trying to help them be strong and healthy and finish, the, finish well. So that's our, that's our work. That's where we are. So um, I'm reminded of a time I was speaking to some pastors, and they did a Q&A after, and a young pastor said, 
Um, how old were you when you began to feel like you kind of were getting the hang of this? And I laughed and said, well, I'm still treading water. Does that answer your question? I think as long as you are moving forward, you will tread water. I love what uh, <laughs> um, Apostle Andrews mentioned last night. He just said uh, he has never had the money to do what God called him to do. I think we never have everything in place to do what God calls us to do. And so I'm just really going to share a little bit um, of my process and uh, what I've been going through and probably will continue to go through the rest of my life. Uh, I want to start in James chapter 2, book of, sorry, book of James, but chapter 1, verse 2. And uh, the danger is when you have a lot of pastors in the room is the fact that uh, there's a lot that sounds familiar and we know the passages and scriptures. So what, that's why I want to give you my processing of these passages. James chapter 2 and uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2 to 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing. So I'm just going to share a little bit as I go through this. Count it all joy. Joy is something that you know, not something you experience, not something that happens. Joy is something that you know. Uh, it's not the result of everything going your way. Count it all joy when you know. Know what? Knowing that the testing of your faith, yes, faith gets tested constantly. Faith is built for trials and difficulties. It does not mean you don't have any. When I talk to pastors, I say, if, if you have problems and you have difficulties and things that you're dealing with, uh, it means one of two things. One is you are out of the will of God, or you're right in the middle of the will of God. In other words, they mean nothing. Uh, Paul was in, it was in trouble all the time. So it didn't mean he didn't have faith. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one of those things you just kind of have to set aside and go, there's some silliness to that. But this, the testing of your faith produces patience. I've never known, been known as a really patient guy. I kind of want to, if, if I'm going to start something, I want to finish it. And I want to get it done. And yes, uh, Pastor Lisa, I often don't look at the instructions. I did just finish putting a ping pong table together, and I did have to follow the instructions. I never would have done it any other way. But this word patience does not mean you're a patient person. It doesn't mean that. This word does not just mean a calm, passive demeanor. It does mean cheerful, hopeful endurance, the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Patience is not a passive resignation to adverse circumstances, but a positive steadfastness that bravely endures. And I'll put my hands up on that one. That's what the Lord was dealing with me. He says you can have it perfect work, complete work. In other words, it has the potential to strengthen us. Potential. Keyword. Nothing is automatic about the kingdom of God. It must, we must believe. We must believe. Now, James chapter 5, verse 10, 11, in those passages, it says, if we endure, it will have its potential effect to us. And again, we find these same words. We find the same word patience repeated again as it talks about the perseverance of Job. Same word. 
Another, it means to endure, to stay under fortitude, bear up under trials, forbearance, fortitude. These are the words that are necessary for us to have an unstoppable faith. These are not easy words, not common words, not fun words. Uh, they actually imply the hardness of life. This is, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Well, what, why would you lack wisdom? Well, that means any time there's something you don't understand, you need to ask God. Now, I submit that there's a lot of things we don't understand. I find that the older I get, the more I know and the more questions I have. The more I know God, the more I know God, the, the more I realize how big God is, there's more that I realize I don't understand. My favorite three words now are not I love you, it's only God knows. Only God knows. And, and I'm okay with that uh, more and more. How do we ask of God? Well, I was reading through Isaiah, and it's funny, this verse jumped off the page. Isaiah 11, 3 to 5. It says, it's speaking of Jesus, and it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not get this, not judged by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And that stopped me in my track. This is talking about Jesus, and he goes on to talk about his judgment by righteousness. But get that, Jesus came, he would not judge by what he saw and by what he heard. Now, put it in the words of Jesus as recorded by John, and that is that he said, I didn't come to do my own will, I came to the will of my Father. So he judged by the heart of his Father, not by his sight or by his hearing. That's the challenge for all of us. Can we admit what we don't know? Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You just have to know that there's a lot of things that you don't know. Then it says, if you do need this wisdom, if there are things you don't understand, ask you, God, but then let him ask in faith. Ask in faith, no doubting. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Believing and trusting that he knows what is happening and his plan cannot be stopped. Without, without doubting. I, I believe that unbelief is sin, but I don't believe that doubt is sin. It just is unproductive. It just goes nowhere. It just sits in the middle. In fact, even if you see the grace of God, even when the man uh, cried out on behalf of his son, uh, yes, I believe, help my unbelief. God took him up on it. God is looking at the heart. He gets past the questions. He gets past uh, the, the doubts you have. And, but we have to wrestle with the doubts. We have to deal with them or they will deal with us. But we all have them and we cannot have what? Fake faith, I think you said, Lisa. We can't pretend. Pretend faith is, is dangerous. It, it, we put more weight on it than what it can bear. I was thinking of... Uh, Fred Price's book many years ago, Faith, Foolishness, Presumption. Faith, faith is, needs to be real, and we have the real deal. But we can't define God by our experience. We have to define our experience by God. So 
You know, my story, my story of transitions the last three years has been very challenging. I've had a lot of challenges, you can imagine, if you've been in pastoral ministry at all. Um, you know, sometimes people want a larger church, but just, just realize that with the larger church comes more people and more people, more problems. Uh, more platforms, more problems, more challenges. And, and it's good. So, you know, one, one friend of mine was bemoaning and complaining a little bit to God one day, and he had so many things going on, and the Lord just said to him, which one of those blessings would you like me to remove? <laughs> you just realize, with the blessing of God comes weightiness and comes things that we have to be concerned about, and uh, that's okay. It comes with the territories. So I've experienced a lot of things I didn't expect, uh, things that happened differently than I thought they would. Uh, we all experience surprises. Wow, didn't see that coming. We, we all experience that. It's part of life. Uh, we experience hard times, criticism, betrayals. Uh, but none of those things are to define us. God defines us. And that's what our faith reminds us of, that God is the one who defines. God who is the one who knows. People will judge you and judge your motives, but God knows your motives. So I'm okay if I'm okay with God. If I feel like my heart's okay with God and I'm honest with him, um, then I, I have to settle that that's enough. You remind yourself many years later after ministry that you started to do it all for Jesus and it's still all about for Jesus. It's not about what we've done or what's behind us or where we've come from. Um, in Romans chapter 8, 28, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, I had a dream in the middle of the night, and um, it was quite a substantial dream. And when I got up um, in the middle of the night, I was, went to my office, and I was, I was praying, reading my Bible, and I was writing. And when Beth came in at 6.30, she says, uh, how long have you been up? I said, eh, about three and a half hours. Uh, but then I told her, and, and I'd been dealing with some stuff, and I said, the short term is this. The short uh, story is this, Beth is the storm has been stilled in my heart because I heard from God. And one of the things was about this revelation in this, the Holy Spirit was preaching a message to me. And in Romans 28, he says, and we know that all these things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, you know, Beth would say sometimes, it's, it's all good, Steve. And I would, and I go, it's not all good. God is good. This is not good. <laughs> You know, but in this dream, the Holy Spirit said, Paul was not quoting a scripture. It was his testimony. Because I've quoted the scripture. I know lots of people quote the scripture. Just don't believe the scripture. It's not how much of the Bible you know, the how much you can quote, where you can find it. It's like how much of the word is in here that you get, that you have a revelation of, because a little revelation will go a lot farther than a lot of knowledge of what the Word says. You can know about God through others, and, and I've been blessed by many over the years, but the only way to know God is by experience. So I want to share with you a, a little bit of experience. Um, my, my devotional I'll be, I'll be very open with you today that my devotional life is much better now that I don't lead the church. And, um, and let me explain what I mean by that. 
I mean, certainly all the pressures and problems of the church pushed me into God, and I prayed lots, and I read my Bible. Um, but I enjoy reading my Bible more now because I have more time. I wish I had been smart enough, if you're still leading a church, to block off that time much better and don't give it away. Because that's my favorite time of the day now. To not be in a hurry, get my books out, have my little phone there. I can look up my, you know, my Greek words, just push a button. This is awesome. And just, just word study while I'm just feeding my soul and spending time with Jesus. So I, I do what is called SOAP, uh, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but uh, this is from uh, July 13th. Uh, my verse I picked was, because when you go through, you just kind of, what was a verse that kind of leaped off of the page? And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Hebrews 10, 29, uh, 39, but we are not those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. The Amplified Bible says, but our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction, but we are those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by this confident faith preserve the soul. My observation, we are not those who draw back, the Amplified said, out of fear, but who continue to believe under pressure that leads to our salvation. We do not change our beliefs when our experience does not measure up to our expectation or when persecution comes. We will continue to believe and hold on to our faith in Jesus who holds our future in his hands. Fear is an enemy that Jesus has defeated, and when it shows up again, and it will, I must resist. I will not go back because the past is not as important as the now, and I will walk by faith because now is the faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is necessary for the future. Faith in the now is what equips me for the next in the future. And so my faith is essential today, and every day I must not draw back in fear, but continue to walk toward, forward in faith. Faith for the next. Context for this is uh, Sunday night, July the 10th. I woke up in the morning after a dream, and all I remembered was this statement. The past is not as important as the now, and the now is not as important as the next. So what will you do next? And with that, I woke up and I told my wife, wow, interesting end to my sleep. It was the start of my day. Here was my prayer three days later. Father, thank you for leading and directing me by your spirit. It is you who have saved me and given me your strength so that I do not strive in my own ability. I, I choose to walk by faith and hold on to what I have heard and known and believed and help me to hear and see according to your spirit and not my own understanding. You know, I, I've delayed some things that God was pushing me towards because um, they weren't what I thought, weren't how I thought. Um, what I didn't want to do in my own flesh. And so I resisted in case it was just me or whatever. But I had to step forward in, and God has been pushing me to that next. 
So I want to I encourage you, and I'm going to ask you this question. It's not as easy as it sounds. What will you do next? That's what I want to share with you. Just next few minutes, I'm going to give you three things. They're not, prof- well, they may be profound, but they're simple. And they're not things you haven't heard about or thought about, but I want you to look at them at a little different perspective today. So I want to talk about this faith for the next. Faith for the next. Before we can lead God's people to the next by faith, we have to settle in our own hearts. And we have to do every day. You have to settle that there's faith for the next. Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to refer to some stuff, but I'm going to jump through because you, you know the scriptures there. And some of them have already been... Uh, read today, but I'm just trying to give you context of what the writer is saying to us about this subject, because there's a lot there, I think. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 to 38, gives context to this verse 39 that I just read and did that soap on. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your assurance, your conviction, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, that's that word again, the ability to hold up under pressure, to increase your capacity, your level of heart, to be able to go on and do what God's called you to do, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just what shall live by faith, these words from Habakkuk, And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39, but we are not those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hope feels and creates the expectation. It paints the picture for us. Faith sees it and looks for what hope feels. So we lose hope, we cannot have faith. Love never fails because God never fails. And he is love. He'll never forsake us. So the foundation of our hope and our faith is is love. Which is why Paul later on said, faith works by love. Everything is the foundation upon the love of God. So we have to find out what are we looking at. So three things that we need to look at. Number one, look at the invisible. Hebrews 11.1 says, the evidence of things not seen, the things that are seen were made by Things that were not seen. Here's some examples. Hebrews 11, verse 7, we talk about Noah. Noah looked at the invisible. He was 500 when he started his family. Imagine that. 600 when the floods came. It's been estimated it probably took him 55 to 75 years to build the ark, and then he had to load it. Now, God helped with that because God sent the animals to him. He saw no rain that would indicate a flood and for 55 to 75 years built something that looked useless amongst all the mocking and the persecution that his neighborhood and the community would put up with. Imagine that. I cannot imagine that. That's a long time to build to see nothing. In verses 8 to 10, we find out about Abraham who obeyed and went out in faith not seeing the destination. Well, a lot of us can identify with that one. We went out not seeing the destination, and many of us went out. We thought we knew the destination, but it was different than what we thought. We found the destination a little bit different than what we thought when we started out. Now, the good news about Abraham, the father of faith, is the fact that he did not walk perfectly by faith. That gives us all hope. I love that the Bible does not mince words. It tells us truth. 
And, uh, and yet somebody said we could call it God's faith because it was God who got Abraham from A to B. God can get you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Even when we're not perfectly doing it because all God has to work with is imperfect people like you and me. He was 11, 11 and 12. Sarah cooperated with God when she saw nothing to hope in. Now, she did laugh. But it says here she judged God to be faithful. If anybody else said it but God, it'd be impossible. But God said it. Because God will do anything and can do anything that he said it. So the question is, did God say it? Did God say to Naomi, I need you? Yes, he did. Can now he follow through on what he needs her for? Absolutely. Because he said it. The, the story of all the Hall of Faith is they're captured by the invisible realm, the things that they cannot see, and only faith can help you capture the invisible, the things that you cannot see. So the next is always unseen except by faith, which is why sometimes when you share your dream, nobody sees it because you had to be in faith to see it. Secondly, so look at the invisible. Faith looks at the invisible. But second is you have to look away from distractions. In Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 26, we find this about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with people, the people of God, than to enjoy. So he, he chose suffering over enjoyment. The passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the, rich, the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. This word looked comes from, uh, it combined two things. It means to look from, to see. To look from, to see. In other words, you can't see unless you look from. So this is a very key one. This is the distractions of life. There are things that we have to be willing to turn away from that would distract us from what we need to look at. That's what fear does. Fear affects our emotions so that we don't see well. We don't hear well. We don't perceive well. There are other things that are not fear, but they're not good. Because the ministry is full of distractions. <laughs> These days especially, opinions and media and, did I say People. So the question, what are you predominantly looking at? What are you willing to look away from so that you can look to something? It says that Moses, in verse 27, he did not fear the wrath of the king he could see, but rather the king who was invisible. Who do we fear more? The government that we, cannot, that we can see or the government we cannot see that we believe is over every government that we can see. Obedience to God was the greater priority of his life, and it is for ours. The next only comes after we lay aside the past and the present, because that's what the Holy Spirit said to me. The past, though be valuable and important, is not the most important. The presence, which is what we have, and where we are 
is important, but not the most important. The most important is the next. What comes next? The third thing, obviously, comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. We look away from the distractions of life, the things that would hinder our run, and we look to Jesus. This is what he writes. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance, same word, that the race is set before us with this capacity to hold up under pressure. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We sang the, omega, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who never starts anything that he doesn't see the end result already. God always starts with your end in mind and mine and our assignment. That's why Paul could with confidence in Philippians 1, 6, 8, being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's foundational to the way God is. He never starts something he can't finish, and that includes you. We serve a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and is everywhere, which is why we can trust him. Jesus is our example. He's gone before us and put up with far more than we have or ever will. We're reminded in this passage to recount the story. Remember what he did. Look at his walk. See what he came up with. I still have a hard time making myself see uh, the passion and to see the abuse that he took. And he didn't do it for him. He did it for us. Jesus never just tells us the way. He is the way. And he shows us the way. And he shows us his example. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What did he know? He knew that there would be birth, the family of God, and a restoration would take place that would be available to all. He endured the present and looked to the future, the next. Verse 3, he endured hostility, mocking, and hatred from those he loved and yet came to save. There's a warning here against weariness and discouragement because it attacks us all. Different translations say you don't grow weary and lose heart. Don't relax and faint in your mind. Don't give up. I won't ask for a show of hands how many ever thought about giving up. Just giving up ministry and just stop. I, I went long stretches where I didn't entertain it, and then I've gone long stretches where I thought about it almost every day. Early on in the ministry, I thought, I think I'm going back to the telephone company. And I had a vision of myself at the top of a telephone pole with a Bible open in my hand, and I was preaching, and I thought, well, forget that. You've got to settle some of those things, but it never stops. 
Don't think it'll get better. No, God will take you deeper. And we need him more and more. The message, paraphrase, says, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. So that's a great way to say that. That'll shoot some adrenaline into your soul. Phillips translation. I have a Phillips translation uh, of the New Testament at home that my grandfather gave to my great-grandmother. Very valuable to me. But this is what Philip says. I think constantly of him enduring all that sinful men could say against him, and you will not lose your purpose or your courage. Your purpose or your courage. The next is always attached to God's purpose for you. But this is what Hebrews tells us. Verse 5, I will never leave you. This is what Jesus said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that that God says that from the beginning of the Bible? In Genesis, his promise goes on. It goes right on through into Revelations. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Because now he's placed his presence in us. It says here, don't covet what other people have. Do you know why you don't have to covet what somebody else has, another ministry has, another person? I wish we could do this, we should do that. Because you have the God who is the helper with you. And we've all operated less than full strength. All in need of something, sometimes, someone. I, I'm totally convinced that I will end my life always having a need for God because he will never he will never bring healing and wholeness into our lives so much so that we don't need him anymore the worst thing for a Christian is to feel like I'm done now I'm a, I got it see the Lord's my helper Jesus Christ what the same what yesterday come on you know yesterday today and forever Faithfulness of the past, yes. His presence in the now. But faith that says, what's next? What do you have next, God? Next is what keeps us dreaming. Every one of these Hall of Fame people, they died with vision still in their hearts that another generation had to pick up and run with because we're supposed to die with dreams. My most dangerous day is a day I'm not dreaming. I'm not thinking about the future. What has happened in the past is not the most important thing. Nor what's going on right now. And I, and I know we, we get to get in the word. and It's a good thing. We sense the presence of God. And we can shout and holler and sing. That doesn't mean we don't have stuff. We all got stuff. It just means the stuff is not more important, and it's not bigger, and it can't stop our shout. So what really matters is this next. What is your faith set on? What has God called you to do in your assignment? Because I want to encourage you today that what God has promised, he will do. Do we always know how? No. I would say seldom know how. But can you take a step in the right direction? 
Can you take a step forward in faith? Say, okay, God, I, I will do this next. It's not going to be enough, but it's the next step. In Proverbs, one of the passages says that man makes their plans, but God leads us, what, step by step. That's how we walk by faith. We don't see the whole journey, which is why we get surprised sometimes. But my personal desire is that I want to walk. As uh, Apostle Andy said last night, uh, you know, are we following the Lord or we want him to follow us? What I did find is if I get behind, that's not a problem. The problem is when I get out ahead. And we say, no, what you have said, you have said. What you have said, you will do. And we know, Father, that you will do it well and you will do it legal. We don't have to know how. We just have to believe and say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.